Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Davis, and we're keeping the pre-KBB show podcast bonanza coming with this, the 100% official episode 4 of season 11. And we've got a great guest on today talking about a subject that is so important, so relevant, and so interesting that we really should discuss it more. And that's how retailers can be more sustainable. Yes, I know, but that's kind of the point. We're going to talk about sustainability in both the way that retailers can run their business and how they can make sustainability a genuine and effective part of their sales story, rather than something to sidestep and not bring up if the client doesn't. So I'm going to be talking to Steve Lister. Very excited about this. He's a consultant, an advocate, and all-round expert on sustainable retail for both retailers and their suppliers. So it's going to be so interesting. But first... This very special episode is brought to you with the support of our very good friends at KBB Birmingham 2024, Europe's prime hub for the kitchen, bedroom and bathroom industries. So I don't know about you, but I'm getting ready for the ultimate showcase of innovation held at the NEC Birmingham from March the 3rd to March the 6th. And this exhibition features 250 plus top European brands across 26 diverse categories, unveiling cut-against designs and the latest innovations. There'll be over 15,000 decision makers attending from residential, design, retail and contract sectors. So it's the prime spot for networking, sourcing and growing your business. You can expect to see renowned brands like Capel, Franca, Vitra, Bora and many more to showcase everything from furniture to components, giving you a glimpse of what the future might hold in KBB land. You can meet key clients, engage with trendsetters and explore the newest launches, dive into live demonstrations and gain valuable insights that will drive your business forward at KBB Birmingham 2024. You can register for your free visitor pass now at kbb.co.uk. That's kbb.co.uk and I will see you there. So here is Steve Lister. Welcome to you, sir. Thank you so much for sparing us a bit of your time. Thanks for asking me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. And I think we'll start, Steve, if we can, with a bit of background, just to sort of sum up exactly what it is you do, right? Where your expertise lies and how you help retailers. So over to you. Yeah. My name is Steve Lister. I'm, I run a, a sustainability agency, imaginatively titled stevelister.com. And what we do is we are a small consultancy, sustainability consultancy that helps global brands and retailers on their sustainability journey. So it could be anything from in-store displays or marketing activations. And I've been very fortunate over the years to to be working with some of the you know big brands in Heineken's and the Nikes about their stores, you know, Coca-Cola's and then some of the fast moving consumer goods companies, you know, like uh, P&G and Unilever and people like that. So broad range, I've been talking about it for about 20 years. First 10 years, no one really wanted to talk to me about it. It was back of the back of the minds. The last 10 years have been quite exciting. Post-COVID, pretty good. Last year was a bit of a tipping point, Andrew. I've got to be honest with you. Last year felt really different. The questions are different and the momentum is different and the pressures are different. So, yeah, got a broad range of experience, you know, mainly in sort of like that uh, that sustainability field and helping people with their sustainability journey. So you more than know your onions and how to sell them in a sustainable way. Let's talk a bit about our sector here. So this is the kitchen and bathroom retail sector, and it's particularly the independent part. My assessment of it, as someone who's been watching it for 20 odd years, is it it really struggles with sustainability as a thing. These are big ticket purchases. These are beautiful studios and showrooms. They're not shops in the traditional sense of the word. And whenever I talk to them about sustainability, the most common answer is it never really comes up. The customers aren't asking about it, so we don't really bring it up either. Are we alone in that? Definitely not, Andrew. And there's, there's probably reasons for it, because what you've got to do is you've got to go back to sort of like the, the, 
whoever the customer is, the consumer is, and what they're purchasing. It's really easy to make a sustainable decision about buying a car these days because you're either going to go petrol, you probably won't go anywhere near diesel, and you're probably going to sort of like look at you know a, a, an electric car based upon some of the criteria that you might need. Could be sort of like you know the uh, the the duration of charging. It could be where you can charge it. Could be sort of like length of charge and mileage. So some purchases. And hey, look, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, they're, they're big purchases. You know, um, you, you buy yourself a Tesla or something like that, and you, you could be knocking on the knocking on the top end of nearly a hundred grand. So you're talking about big purchases, but they're linked to consa- uh, to sustainability. You know, packaging, some of the foods, those sorts of things are connected. And I agree with you. I don't think people, consumers, or a, a client would immediately think, Ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a new bedroom or a kitchen or a bathroom. I want to do it sustainably. Some will. There will always be people who will take that into consideration. I think they're in a minority um, at the moment in this sector. But we can unpack this a little bit more as we go through the podcast about you know who they are and why they are. But I agree. It's maybe not one of the top five purchasing decisions when buying or planning your luxury new bathroom or your brand new kitchen. It probably isn't in that top five. It's strange, isn't it? Because the kitchen and the bathroom in particular, of the carbon footprint of your house, the vast majority of it must probably come out of the kitchen or the bathroom, particularly in use of power, hot water and that kind of thing. So these rooms are incredibly important in convincing people that they can make a difference to this, obviously, you know, the future of the human race dilemma that we're in. So it, it seems strange that there isn't more of a focus on it. And that's really from what we see is because there's a hidden sustainability impact that people don't see, you know. You want a beautiful new island in the middle of your kitchen and you want the best piece of granite goes over the top of it, you know, or you want these lights that are put in a certain way. With all due respect, most lights that are going to be used within buildings these days are going to be low energy LEDs anyway. But when you look at those big ticket pieces, you know, and you look at that, you know, people are going to go, oh, well, I want a recycled piece of granite. Well, who's going to buy a recycled piece of granite, you know? Or who's going to be buying, let's say, recycled carcasses, let's say, or different elements within a kitchen? You certainly wouldn't buy a recycled, uh, 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 you know, oven or a recycled baths, maybe, because people want to maybe take old baths, roll top baths, you know, iron baths, and maybe re-enamel them. But so when you look at that, is there's a hidden sustainability that people don't even consider, and that's not a bad thing. All I will say is it's not a consideration. Now it will be for the manufacturers who are manufacturing those because they've got a carbon footprint, where we're not at the stage at the moment where people are being judged on their cons- carbon footprint of their of their house or their home. So that's when it will really change is when we start to look at the carbon footprint of buildings and, and, and homes and if you're going to be changing something, where that happens a lot now in retail. So if I just spin it on its head for a moment, and I know – you know, maybe people who are listening to this podcast will turn around and go, well, hold a second, I've got a small, you know, medium-sized business, kitchen or bedroom, bathroom fitting. But it's still the same as when you're looking at shop fitting. But those retailers are now starting to change. They're starting to now look at cost versus quality versus sustainability and making decisions there. Let's stick with the consumer, I think. I've seen lots of surveys. You must see a million surveys that say that consumers want to buy in a sustainable way. They want to do it. Now, I, I appreciate that 
in their heads they'd probably think of FMCG when they're thinking that. But there is a desire there somewhere. So how does a retailer in this kind of big ticket environment make a virtue of the sustainability of something? How do you appeal to people that isn't just a moral argument? If I'm going to give a statistic, 80% of the environmental or sustainable impact or any of any product or display really starts at the design stage. And that comes from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, which is a really great foundation that looks at sustainability within the, the physical world that we're in. So let's just go back to that piece. Now, if you're a client and then you're, you're, you're looking to, to interact with you know one of these businesses, you've got to look at things like what narrative does a small business then start to take? Well, first of all, it's got to start with materials because that's really where it, where all of the hidden carbon, hidden of sustainability is. Well, obviously, you've got to be using certified wood, FSC or PEFC wood, maybe in the carcasses and things like that, door fronts, etc. You could then be starting to look at paints. Do you start looking towards vegan paints, etc.? There are elements which I think small businesses can start to create a story around their business, which will then become the base narrative of why you would come to that company to buy it. If it was me and I was starting up a, a, a kitchen or a bedroom business, I would be looking at just saying, this is where we buy our wood from. This is where, you know, this is how we manufacture it. And this is maybe the paints we use or the lights we use. And then connecting them with what I believe and what I see as the benefits to the consumer. So the benefits of sustainability with the consumer will be you're using great paints that aren't going to sort of like be toxic. You're using wood that comes from responsible sources, so you're not cutting down a, a rainforest to deliver me my kitchen. You're going to deliver it in the right way. You're not going to have lots of waste. If you're going to install a shower for me, does it efficiently heat the water or, or to deliver that luxury feel with maybe a 20-30% saving? Maybe there's some innovation there in the shower heads and stuff like that. And I just think it becomes part of the consultative sale that people need to use and it just adds a layer of the reason of buying from you. Is someone not, not going to buy a kitchen because it's not FSC wood? I doubt it. But it might be a consideration for a lot of people as we move forward. So I, I think there's lots of ways that smaller to medium-sized businesses can start to build in a sustainable story into their consultative selling piece. That's really interesting, actually, because what that isn't is talking about individual products necessarily. It is about... I think sometimes when you're buying something that is this expensive, I mean, we're talking 30, 40, 50 grand easily for a kitchen, you sort of want to justify the price in some way. You know, you're telling yourself that actually, yes, go on then, I'll, I'll buy the extra five grand's worth of whatever it is because it's doing good for the planet. It's not the reason you buy it, but it, it helps you kind of justify it. You, you're right. And one thing also I, th I think is a consideration, and I think the reason maybe sometimes um, sustainability is pushed back into consideration when buying a kitchen or a bedroom or a bathroom is the longevity of that purchase. Now, we're all told it's really bad if you buy a carry bag, you use it once and throw it away. You know, if you buy a pot and you throw it away, you dry a can and you chuck it out your window, you know, uh, of your car as you're driving along. We get that. We see that as an instant visual thing. You might see, you know, on the blue planet, you know, a turtle swimming around with a carry bag attached to its fin. But you don't really hear about that when it comes to bedrooms or bathrooms or all these luxury purchases, because the longevity is going to be for many, many years. So we're not connecting sustainability with maybe the recycling of a kitchen or a bathroom because it's too far away. And also, as well as consumers are really excited about their purchase. It's a big purchase, like you said, in the tens of thousands. So they're excited about that point, about making their house nice, about what they want, it's an investment for them as well. It will make them money, hopefully, if they enhance their properties. But it, there are some small considerations that if they also do make, 
that then that will also enhance their property uh, value moving forward. You can talk about solar panels on the roof, etc., like that. But if you've got an efficient house with efficient appliances in that kitchen or efficient water saving appliances in your bathroom, then I also think that when it comes to sell your house, I also think that's a really big selling point as well. So they don't have to be overtly, am I buying this kitchen because it is sustainable? I don't think there'll be many people, you might get 10 or 20% of people that take it into consideration. Bathroom, maybe a little bit more because obviously when it comes to water, many people might be on a water meter. So wasting water is going to cost them money. So when you connect sustainability with energy saving or water saving in that way, then that will be a consideration because consumers or clients will actually feel that in their pocket. Independent retailers, by their nature, they drive business through recommendation and reputation, right? That's that's their principal way that they operate. And I think the way you're describing putting that story together is, is so interesting from that point of view because it enhances your reputation. If people know that you are taking all this stuff into consideration, it's part of your story, and you you can talk knowledgeably about it so that people can make informed decisions, I think that can only help recommendation it, uh, ab- and reputation. Ab- Absolutely. If you were, if you know, if you're in a sales, you're in your sales uh, office and you're in your showroom, which you've spent a lot of money on, because let's let's not get away from the fact here. You know, it's hard work having a small business. Maybe you're, you know, you know, you've got one place, you've got you know one showroom. You know, you've got your rent and your rates, and you've got all that. You know, your lighting and all of that. It's hard. It's it's hard owning a business, and I understand that. So anything you can do to build that sales pitch together that convinces you. You know that a client that's going to walk the customer's going to walk through the door. Why? Why should I buy it from you? Okay, you don't have to go over the top with saying you're the most sustainable kitchen or bedroom or bathroom company in the world ever. Would that sell it? So you know we've got to also Andrew. Let's not hide the fact. Lots of people also don't care about this, and lots of people do. So you know I'm a realist. You know I've been talking about this for twenty years, and I, and I know that I can sometimes go into a meeting with a client and they look me straight in the eyes and go, Steve, it's about cost. It's about quality. It's about longevity. Sustainability is going to come pretty much down here, Steve. So, you know, we'll talk about that later. But if you weave it into the conversation about the reason why I'm giving you this tap system or, or, or this shower system, because it's energy saving, which will save you money as well as it's going to look absolutely fantastic. You know, we're, we're going to do this in, in a way of putting these appliances into your kitchen because they're energy saving and can save you maybe 20, 30 percent base, based upon what you're currently using then all of a sudden you can connect quality with cost and sustainability because that's the difficulty. If you take them in isolation, they're great. Once you start putting them together, they can actually become quite a powerful sell. So you've worked with some massive brands as you've described them. Can you think of ways that they've communicated this kind of story within the within the retail environment? Well, one thing we are learning is don't oversell it. And there's a, I don't know if, if people listening to the podcast have ever heard of the word greenwashing. Um, oh, but yeah. greenwashing is a, is, a, is a statement that you can make which overstates, maybe bordering on untruth. I'm not going to use the lie word, but I've just used it. You've got to be careful that you don't overstate something. We produce the most sustainable kitchens ever. They are 100% recyclable at end of life. You've got to be really careful these days because as at the end of March, you know, only sort of like end of next month, the Green Claims Directive is coming into Europe and basically the, the market's authorities can start clamping down on people making these sorts of claims. So you've just got to be careful. So these retailers and brands are starting to pull back on using the words eco, using the words even things like green, because you can't substantiate those words. Even the word it can be recycled has to be substantiated. 
is that 1% recycled or is that 100% recycled? So you just have to think about those things. But the great thing is if you've got a small boutique showroom and you've got your fitters and they're going in and they're taking out an old kitchen, well, hold a second, that's a great selling point. You know, we can 100% recycle your old kitchen if we're going to install a new one. Now, you've got to make sure that you can do it at the end of that life. But there are all sorts of different services you can add on the way you can do it. But definitely these retailers and brands now are being careful with what they say because, one, it has to resonate with consumers. And consumers are more educated than they've ever been about some of the things they're being told. So that's what I just think is, is people have learned and you just be careful what you say. And if you are going to say something, make sure you can deliver it. And I think that's really hard, though, isn't it? Because if you're Nike or whatever, you, you have a guy whose job this is, you know, and they are an expert and they work with people like you. But these are small businesses. And this stuff is just really complicated. It's really difficult to understand the language that's used, what the right thing to do is. And again, the part of the point of independent retail is that they are experts in their field. And so this is a whole new field for them to be experts in. That if a consumer says, can you tell me what the rating of that whatever is or what the recyclability of this is or what's the origin of that it's a really hard thing to get your head around so i suppose in some ways it's easy not to bother it is and, and please you know don't, don't don't think anyone listening is thinking oh, i think this is easy because it's not you know this is not easy thing to do and it's becoming more complicated as well andrew we're getting asked more questions about sustainability than we've ever been asked before and you're right however if you are a company listening today and you, you are wanting to start this journey because believe me it is a journey. I, it, I hope this doesn't sound a bit like X Factor word, but it's not a destination. You're never going to get there because as soon as you get to where you think you're going to want to be, it's changed and all the goalposts have changed because sustainability has changed. So if you want to start the journey, the one thing I would say, the biggest bit of advice I give if small to medium-sized businesses is work in collaboration with your suppliers. Your suppliers, whoever you buy from, should have the information you need about what you're buying from them. It could be tiles, if you're in, in bathrooms and kitchens, if it's flooring, if it's paint, if it's worktops, the wood you're buying, I, I can go on and on and on. You know, you, Those suppliers must know, one, where they come from and what are the sustainable benefits of, of those products. So, yes, is it going to be a steep learning curve for you? Yes, it will be. You know, Is it going to feel uncomfortable asking those sorts of questions? Yes, it is. However, you'll be really surprised that as soon as you start asking those questions, you can build up your knowledge bit by bit by bit. It might be a bit about wood today. It might be something about glass tomorrow. It might be something about marble or worktops the day after or the month after. So don't be hard on yourself because it is a journey. Start really with your suppliers. Ask them for why is it? Tell me, show me, educate me, and then you can build your, your knowledge from there. Journey is a, is a very good way of putting that. And I think part of the reason to put yourself on that journey, from my point of view, is at some point you might be forced to do this. You know, there might be some legislation will come in that will make you, if you want to sell anything, you'll have to be able to justify it in some way. How likely is that, do you think? Manufacturers in this, in this market have an awful lot of boxes to tick when they make things because they also sell an awful lot into house builders and construction and they have an awful lot of levels they have to meet. That hasn't hit the high street yet. It hasn't hit people's homes yet, but it's probably going to, isn't it? It is, and you make a you make a really great point there, uh, Andrew. I think a lot of the responsibility at the moment will sit with the original manufacturers 
not the small to medium kitchen, bedroom and, and bathroom companies that are installing them. So I think the main focus is going to be them to make sure that they're efficient, they've got efficient manufacturing, they can prove their supply chains, they've got certification around materials. Um, you're right about legislation. Legislation probably is the only way you can ever get real sustainable change. But I don't see that filtering down to sort of like the KBB sector anytime soon, mainly because your supply chains are the ones that are responsible for them. Now, if you're a small business, at some point, someone might turn around and say, what's the carbon footprint of your of your kitchen business? I doubt it very much at the moment. I, I'm not seeing that into small, small businesses. But I will say what I am seeing is questions being asked around the materials and the certifications of the materials. At that point, what I would say is, is that's when you go back to your supply chain partners and ask. Funny enough, I agree with you. But what I think is unique about this sector is they go into people's homes and they take stuff out. So they rip stuff out. And I think there will be an onus on the person ripping it out on how they're going to dispose of it. There will be because there's directives now and legislation coming in about end of life of things like packaging. There's some big ones coming through where actually, if you are the Coca-Colas of this world, you're actually going to be responsible for the plastic tax at the end of it if, if, you, if it's not recycled. So you're right. When it comes to waste, now let's be real honest here. You know, if you're a kitchen fitter or a bathroom fitter and you're taking out old you know, uh, bathrooms and, and, and kitchens, you can't just take it to your local, local tip and, and, and dump it and recycle it because it's commercial waste. You're having to, to do that anyway, so you're having to be responsible about the waste anyway. And I think that's something that needs to be people need to understand. So if you are taking something out like that and you are responsibly recycling it, use that as a selling point. Say to people, because most people are concerned that where's all this stuff going? And if you know where it's going and where you're taking it, just be open and honest and transparent with your customers. Tell them where we take it. Do you break it down? Do you reuse the carcasses? Do you use it in a slightly different way? Do you repurpose anything? So there are some really good ways you can do it and you can connect yourself to social causes, which are still sustainability. It just isn't sometimes the immediate thing you think of. As you say, these guys are small to medium-sized enterprises, and some are small high streets, some are big out-of-town three-story places. I mean, it really varies. Say I, you and I went along to visit a high street showroom, and this high street showroom just wants to make its business that little bit more sustainable. When you walk through that door, what are you looking at? What are you looking for? I would turn around to say, if you want to make a sustainability statement within your showroom, just about maybe how you deal with waste or the materials you use. So things like FSC, we only use FSC wood and it's certified. Those are the sort of visual cues which I think consumers will pick up on it and a, client, a customer will pick up on as they go through. So if you're reducing waste and increasing recycling, that's great. People can understand that. The danger is if you create too much of a story around it and you go too deep into it because the average person who's going to be coming into a, into a showroom, that's not one of the considerations. So what you're trying to do is I think you have to be careful trying to sell benefits of something if it's not even a consideration, because then you've got a mismatch. And if you've got a mismatch of selling versus benefits, then people aren't even going to value it. And if you don't value it, you're not going to pay for it and you won't even connect with it. So you have to be a bit careful there. But I, that's what I would say is, is just to hit the high notes of the wood, the materials you use. And I think if you do it in a really nice way, and most people look, hey, look, these businesses are creative. You know, they're great small businesses, entrepreneurial businesses, I know lots of companies within the manufacturing of stores so in uh, and shop fitting they use all of these benefits to be able to sell sell back out to people so there are things you can use and are things I would make it too complicated 
Yeah, and I, and I think when you are a big global brand, say you're McDonald's, people are hypersensitive when you're in McDonald's about the amount of waste there is or oh, the, absolutely, the yeah. cups you're throwing away or the junk. Straws. <laughs> yeah, people are fascinated by straws. And even though the paper straws are useless, people... Yeah, well, you have to use two or three of them now because they all disintegrate. Yeah, which kind of defeats the object slightly. <laughs> so people like McDonald's have to be thinking about this stuff all the time. So what lessons can small businesses learn from big business? I just think that's a good question, actually. I just think you just have to fight the battles you can fight and win. The average person who's going to walk through your showroom door doesn't know as much as you do. So if you own a business, what you'll think is very quickly, you're going to be seen as the expert. So you, all I would say there is, if you're a big business trying to make change, you've got big things to change. If you're a small showroom, you don't have to do very much. And just remember, you're going to be seen as the expert. So just do as much as you can in a short period of time. So know about the wood, know about where things come from. And I think if you put it into your sales presentation, and it's just part of your sales presentation, sales pitch to your to your customers, and just drop it in. You know, the carcasses we use, they're all FSC certified wood, so, you know, et cetera. You know, the paints we use are low VOC, or they could even be vegan-based paint or whatever. All of a sudden, you're just building that picture up. You don't have to make massive, giant leaps. Sometimes small steps can can be all you need. Yeah, it makes it such an interesting discussion, doesn't it, when you when you think about it in that way. There's still an argument, though, about if the client doesn't bring it up, I'm not going to bring it up, because it's seen as preaching to them about something, or perhaps they have a feeling that being sustainable means you have to compromise on performance in some way. If the client doesn't mention it, should they mention it? I mean, yeah, I think they should, actually. I've got to be totally honest with you. I think if you if you weave it into your sales story, then there's there's nothing wrong with it. It can only help... The only thing is you're you're quite right. You've got to make sure that you don't come across all Greta Thunberg or Sir David Attenborough about this, about we're saving the planet by selling you this, because you don't know the customer's view on sustainability. Some people might not agree with it. Some people might not even care about it. So you've got to be careful. But I think I think if you're intelligent enough to be able to just put in about the materials and where they come from and how you manufacture it and it reduces waste and it's going to save you money. I think, you know, the small businesses we're talking to here with maybe one or two showrooms or one showroom, they're creative anyway. They're entrepreneurs and they will find ways to be able to, to sell different elements in. They do that every day. They have to do it every day about how they're going to win against their competition. I just think adding those small pieces in will never hurt. Don't go over the top by saying, you know, like you said, you know, you, you know, we're the most sustainable kitchen company you'll ever go to. Because then people might see that as maybe, are you lying about it? Or are you telling some untruths? I would just weave it into the sales pitch. I think that there's no harm in doing that. And actually, I think some people are now starting to look at sustainability that equals quality as well. I don't think quality is compromised to sustainability. I'm seeing some materials coming out now that are beautifully designed materials, you know, and you look at it, and they're high quality. They just happen to have a sustainable story behind them. So I, I just think as it matures and as the conversation develops as we go forward, I think people will be able to balance that cost versus quality versus sustainability dilemma you know, much more as we, as we move forward. I think so much of it's about 
momentum and whether that momentum builds up. So, for example, as you say now, it happened quite quickly. The thought of getting plastic bags when you don't need them, you just feel incredibly guilty about it, even paying 10p for a plastic bag. You just feel, oh, my God, there's a penguin somewhere that's going to suffer for this. You, you saw it in the numbers of the plastic bags that got sold. And I think that momentum argument is one now in with cars. Everyone's talking about electric cars now and how they, you know, what point they're going to get one, not if they're going to get one. And there's lots of debate around infrastructure around that. But that momentum is a very hard thing to build up in a purchase that you might only do every 20 years. And you're right. And I think if you can equate sustainability to quality and build it into your cost, then you're into a winner. But if you if you focus on sustainability as a single element, then you might come unstuck. Because like we said, at the moment, there's no huge drive that I must have the most sustainable kitchen or bathroom. There are elements within it... For instance, I want to have a shower. And there are companies out there, you know, like Triton Showers and people like that, who are making huge innovations in in water usage, in the way their supply chains, how they make their showers. So when you look at that, that's a selling point. If you can use less water or less energy to heat your water, that is a huge benefit. That's a huge benefit. So those are the things I would say I would immediately bring into the conversation you know, and then as it builds, I would say if a client's asking more and more questions, it's a consideration for them and it's important to them. Every conversation is going to be slightly different because you're going to have to just gauge it. Does this consumer client coming through the door value it? If they don't value it, just temper it down a little a little bit. If they do value it and they're starting to ask questions around sustainability, just turn it up a bit. That's all you've got to do. Yeah, and I think the momentum bit comes very slowly, but there's a whole generation of purchasers now coming through that don't know how not to talk about this. It's it's always been part of their zeitgeist and conversation. Absolutely. If you if you're a Gen Z or under twenty sort of like twenty seven, twenty eight, you've grown up on sustainability, so it will be one of your considerations. It's so it, it's really difficult because different age groups are considering you know different things. If you look at all the reports and consumers at the moment, it's the youngest and the oldest people, believe it or not, who have got real sustainable focuses. The big chunk in the middle isn't at the moment, but if, if you're young or older, you seem to have a bigger focus on it, which seems quite strange. But you know, why well, we you know these things change, you know, and I'm sure it'll be different next year and the year after. So yeah, it's a journey and things change. You just need to make sure you you keep on top of everything. Well, look, Steve, this is obviously an enormous subject that we could talk about from doing an entire series on and barely scratch the surface. So thank you so much for your time just to talk a little bit about it. And I think what I'm getting across here, and I think you're absolutely right, it's about weaving this into an overall story, not virtue signalling, and talking about it for your overall reputation and service rather than talking about individual products or projects. Yeah, you've got it. Collaboration is key here, everybody. You've just got to collaborate and challenge your supply chain to educate you. But you're, you're right. It's, it's a journey, everybody. You know, it's not a destination. Just wherever you are on it, even if you're at the beginning, enjoy it and use it as part of your sales process and weave it into your conversations. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Steve. And we'll speak again. Great. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew.